Pronto is more than a messaging app. Today's door-to-door organizations and sales teams demand better than what free messaging apps can offer. Enters Pronto, a single communication hub for your entire organization with a clean design that elevates your brand and doesn't require any training. With real-time direct and group messaging, video conferencing, announcements, unlimited file sharing and storage, administrative capabilities, and more, Pronto will help your organization communicate, collaborate, recruit, train, retain, and be more successful. So swipe up, try for free, win more. All right, everybody, this is Sam Taggart with the DDD Podcast, and I'm here with Judd Stanger and Brian Schombeck. And these guys are the founders and owners of Atlantic Key Energy, which is a solar company. We're out here in Florida. What are we doing in Florida today? Why why were we freaking in Florida? You guys are from Utah, boys. Aren't you like Layton? Where are you from? Pleasant Grove. Pleasant Grove. So we got these Utah boys that say, hey, we sold door to door. I remember I'm trying to recruit Judd back in the back in the Weber State days. I'm at this job oh, fair. Weber State. <laughs> and Judd literally is like, oh, I think I'm going to do alarms. And my buddy um, James Adams is like, screw this, Sam. He's my friend. And I'm like, screw you. And then we fought over him as a recruit. James Adam gets him, goes and sells alarms for a little while. How many how many years did you do alarms? We did. I did six years. Six years in alarms. How long, did you do alarms too? Six years. Six years. Were you guys on the same team? No, we just knew each other from being in the same region. Same region? Yeah. yeah. They were all in our region or division. So we go way back. Like, this is years. What, what, what year was that? What was your first year? It was like 2012, 2013, I think, right? Yeah, I think 2012 was my first official yeah. year. So yeah. that was my first year going over to Vivint, which is kind of crazy. So, like, yeah, literally both had our first years of Vivint together. And um, this podcast can be interesting. Why? Because they were, you know did that for six years and then two years ago they said we're going to take the polar plunge into the solar world right like you're just like hey let's see if this has got some legs and started a company did you work for a different solar company before this or did you guys go straight to ownership no i worked for uh, a company out of utah um for about a year before starting atlantic energy so i made the switch about three years ago three years to solar yeah that's crazy news i just did a couple blitzes and we, and we went and worked with Altera for okay. a week. And I was like, let's do this. I like slapping glass. Slap that glass. <laughs> so this, they come out to Florida and guys, now they're doing 500 a month. To put things into perspective, your average solar system is what, 40 grand? Maybe yeah. 40 grand times yeah. 500. What is that? I'm not really good at math. Two, two, 20 million mm-hmm. a month. Um, so if you're listening to this, I think that's pretty impressive for their second year in business. Um, and I'm sure there's something we're going to learn for this. And I'm super impressed because I'm like, damn, like, you know, when, <laughs> when you make that much in revenue, you probably make them a little bit of money. Um, but I, I'll brag about these guys. And I'm like, damn, I go, why don't I just work for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so we just got, so we just got done training all your leaders, you know, obviously to yeah. do 500 a month, you've got a big army of people. Um, and to have all your managers there and from all over the country, you have multiple states and markets now. Um, I guess kind of what were some of the big leadership aha moments you've had as you've moved into from rep manager, now you guys are owners. Like what were some of the big aha moments you've had over the last couple of years trying to like build this thing? Brian, what do you think? I think just taking on like a full enterprise, like you don't understand really what goes into it until you're in it and by the time you're in it it's too late yeah uh no yeah. i don't want to have to pay attorneys and if i don't you, do that you know, knew what you would have to do starting the journey 
you probably wouldn't start. So it's, it's almost better to go and going blind. It sounds right. like pregnancy, you know? It's kind of yeah. like, <laughs> right. if I knew that I had to push this thing out of me and all the things, yeah. would, you know, right. like, that's why I'm like, I'm so grateful to be a dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah if you knew what you were, you were getting into. Be hard. Yeah. Yeah, so what have been the biggest, like, eye-opener things running into the entrepreneurial world that you're like, uh, red flag, guys, just so you know, heads up. I think there's... Uh, I think having grit was definitely one of the things that you had to learn starting a business is because, you know, I think a lot of us think that, you know, we're running a team for a big company and we don't realize like all the systems and everything that that company offers. And then when you go do it on your own, it's a completely different environment when you have like no tools or resources whatsoever. It makes it's you just, appreciate all the like small, minor, little backend processes yeah, exactly. that have been put together at the big dogs. Exactly. You're just like, oh. I didn't have to think about video editing and training platforms and payroll, you know, payroll yeah. and accounting and exactly. budgets and, you know, it just starts to add up. And every time you think about those things, you're like, I either get to do it or I have to pay somebody to do it. And then paying somebody to do it costs money. And then I have babysit and train them how to do it because then they're, they're going to do it how I want them to do it. Nor do I even know how I want them to do it. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Yeah. What else? I think a lot of people just think like entrepreneur, you dive in and you're like, oh, I'm going to be running a sales team. Well, you're not like you're a sales manager, a payroll accountant, you're in insurance, you're in fleet management, you're in all these different things that you just don't think about. And so kind of like you said, it's like at a, at a certain scale, it just doesn't make sense um, to put in that time, energy and effort without like trying to go big. Yeah. So that's what I was saying is like when you get into it, you're already like knee deep before you realize what you're into. And then it's like you're either all in or you're all out. Yeah, there's like there's a probably a point. I think I've seen most business owners get to the point where they're like, I either just go back to being like small and just rep and just keep it super lean and simple. We just run out of our house, we make it happen, or we have to go much bigger yeah. for us to actually make money and do this. Right. right. You always have that thought that you're like, I could just go knock some doors right now, yeah. and that would be such a sweet relief. Yeah. Compared to like some of the stresses that come with running a big company. It's like you don't know what you have until you have it. Like when you're a rep, you're like, oh, man, I wish I could be in ownership. But then when you're in ownership, you're like, oh, man, it would just be so nice to go knock a door. Like life's so simple at that level versus where you are at ownership. But that's like being an entrepreneur. Like you're either all in or you're all out. Like you can't half-ass being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I've actually, I've actually had my fair kick to the nuts over the last few probably six eight months because i've realized that i've been like side hustle businesses that are kind of my auxiliary fun things and right I'm like but i'm not all in i'm like if i was all in on those they would be great because i could lead the charge i'm running it but i i remember my uncle he runs these car washes and he's just like dude like i, I already knew you were gonna suck at this he looks at me and he's like when I started in the car wash business, like I got to make this work and I got to be uber focused because like my first two car washes failed because I wasn't there. I just thought, Oh yeah, they'll just run themselves. And he's like, I had to get dirty and I had to like do it. Right. Yeah. So I, I feel you on that. So what, what, um, what do you find that's working for you? Like, what do you, what do you found? You're like, man, this has been a big success for us. So like, you know, once we figured this out, life was much easier for us or we not there yet. I don't know. Like, 
I don't think we're anywhere yet. <laughs> just being honest. <laughs> I don't think I we're mean, anywhere. Like, we're only yeah. doing 500 a month. Uh, we're just not, like, we're just getting uh, started. But like, that's yeah. the thing, right? Like you come from a different culture. You come from the best company that sells door to door in the world, in my opinion, which was Vivint. Like nothing's ever been as successful or yeah, as great or the culture yeah. and like the buy-in and everything that you saw. And then when you go to create your own, it's yours and you love it, but you always see how it can be better. Yep. Like you're never done like perfecting your craft. And so I think with this, more than anything, what we found to be successful is like, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to start a company, like don't start it alone. Mm. Like one of the biggest successful things that I found is like Judd and I, like finding someone you trust and who's your equal and starting a business with them. Yeah. So one runs, you run more of the operation side. You run much more of the sales side. Were you always an operations kind of person or you're like, I guess this is the route I'm taking. You take sales. We'll charge this together. Like, like you know, was right. that like a weird, cause, cause this is where I, I, you know, I think everybody gets nervous creating partnerships, right? Everybody's always like, well, what if the partnership goes bad? What if like, I don't like the guy? What if he doesn't pull his weight? Like you said, equal. Mm-hmm. How do we measure equal when I always think I'm the best? You know what I mean? Like, right. That's always a, what's the problem with partnerships is like, you have to be humble enough to understand that you're not the best, but then also have a big enough ego to understand how good you are and find that counterpart. Mm. And like, that's super rare, but we've been to a lot of business conferences and we've been around a lot of successful people and it's weird. They're like penguins. Like they always have their equal with them. Mm. They always bring a second guy with them and like being around like the trailer parks with Casey ball, like your main comment, you're just like all these hundred millionaires have like a second you know, they didn't yeah. come alone. They all have their like, they network, brought a guy, their group. Yeah. And it's like, they always had like their equal, equal and opposite. And so like to answer your question, like I wasn't always in ops, but like I am more of like a process based person, which just naturally lends itself to ops. Yeah. But I think like going into ops, it's always going to be unsuccessful unless you have a sales background. So like, I like that when you get into construction, like you'll just find there's two separate kinds of people. There's like people who are construction people. And then people who are construction people with a sales background mm. and like you're a sales company, no matter what, overall, like yes. whether you think you're a roofing company, a solar company or whatever, you're a sales company. And so you always have to have that background and that grounding in order to grow an operations arm that can keep up with 500 sales a month. Yeah. Because if you were to think of just the operational side, Jeez. it would be completely overwhelming, like a giant tidal wave. But if you can like work backwards from like how a sale works to how it gets installed, that I think is really where you can start to define and create processes that are that are better than what's come before and that are different, that can make you unique and grow an organization. Yeah. Because like why work somewhere over somewhere else? It's like systems, process, and implementation. Yeah. And the only competitive advantage you have is speed. Love that. So we jammed on this today. So literally yeah. we trained from nine to 5 p.m. on systems, right? Right. So Jed, what were some of the takeaways from today that you were like, because you're on the sales side and a right, lot of what right. I train is the sales systems. You obviously have like fleet management system and inventory and collection systems and, you know, payroll systems. But we jammed on sales side. But I yeah. mean, like, what were some of the big takeaways? I think some of the big takeaways for me were, you know, when you're trying to scale an operation, uh, I think a lot of times you're growing so quickly that you forget to do the small little detailed things. But that that's what keeps the growth going. And that's what like helps you get to that next level. And so... I think one of the biggest takeaways that I had from today was, you know, sometimes it takes one step back to take two steps forward. Yeah. We had talked about like the little cocoon 
and the butterfly analogy. And sometimes uh, you see reps that they really want to get to that management level and they, they want to help grow the company, but they're not willing to take the step back and potentially lose some income in order to help other people gain that income to then get to that next level. The most common thing we see, and listen up, if you're a sales rep trying to become a manager, you're a manager that's in this, we call it the tunnel, where you're like, man, I just am babysitting. And, and we're right before the summer where a lot of people are going to go through this dip. You know what I mean? Last year, they were the top rep. Now they got 20 guys. And then they're going to sit there and babysit their production dips. They're like, crap, I'm not selling. I'm spending all my time doing this. For how much? Like 10 extra thousand dollars on an override? You know what I mean? Like, or whatever right. for the summer. Like, you know, or whatever that looked like for them. And, and they can't have the foresight to see them flying as butterfly. So they're not willing to go into the dark cocoon and really kind of take that step back from a pay, from a, from a, I don't know, almost influence, like you're seen as the top sales rep and all of a sudden your numbers dip because you're spending your time on other things to grow something long-term. And then they're like, well, no, but I, but I was a top guy. Like I just, you know, I don't have to, like, ah, like I'm still cool. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and then they fall back or they can withstand the cocoon and then they break out and eventually become a butterfly. And now they're managing a good organization or a team below them. Exactly. And it's like having that vision, that forethought, of being able to like see the potential opportunity in it because I think everybody in the industry wants to get to that point. Yeah. But it's, it's being willing to, and having it's, it's being willing to, and then having the grit necessary to like push through that, that tunnel, like you talked about. Love that. Were you say something on that? No, I think that's totally cool. right. Cool. And like, there's going to be pushback. Yeah. Like there's two sides to every story. So as you like grow an organization, like you're going to have attrition. And attrition will have their side of the story and you'll have your side of the story. But like being resilient enough to stick to who you are and your core principles to grow an organization is like so important. Or it's like if you take a step back or you make a change in like the operational integrity or the sales flow or the commission structure, like you can't be afraid and let reps hold a gun to your head and control the entire industry when what's valuable is what you're putting in place, the system, the process, the vehicle for which they're going to make money. Like your sales organization or your install arm is just a vehicle for someone else to create capital. And so you have to look at yourself as a product and what makes sense to somebody who may have started it with you may not make sense to somebody who's coming in as a new rep. Yeah. And the opportunity always has to keep getting greater and greater and greater. If you reduce the opportunity moving forward, you're no longer a good product. Mm. And so viewing your business as a product for sales reps is like a key fit to culture where it's like they can come in and implement themselves into your systems. Have you seen like, obviously you can't be that perfect, well-oiled and obviously you'd have me out here to come help with that. And then it's a continued journey. Like you're like not satisfied with where you're at or else we wouldn't be in this meeting. But like, have you seen with time, you're almost like, darn it. If that one rep would have come now where we're at today, he would have been awesome. But he came like, a year ago when we weren't so cool. You know what I mean? Like, darn it. I, I, unfortunately, we couldn't supply that product or that environment um, that he needed to perform here. And as you get better, have you noticed it's easier to retain those guys or it's easier to attract those guys? Or 100%. Like, uh, momentum's a cruel, cruel mistress, right? So it's, it's really hard to, you know, push that snowball up the hill. But then once you get to the top of that hill and it starts rolling down, it's like you've got those systems in place. You've got the people in place and you've got the network where, uh, you know, success breeds success. Other people come into the organization and they see all the success your current guys are having, 
they're able to just join in on that momentum, have like immediate success. And it, and it kind of helps you scale even quicker because mm. they, they step right into something that's like working. It's awesome. Also, it's like the proof of concept, right? Mm. When you start an endeavor, it's just an idea. When you prove the concept and you have tangible, you know what I mean? Growth and people can see how much someone has in their bank account, not versus what they were promised. Like that's a powerful motivator and recruiting tool for reps. It's like proof, right? Yes. Proof yeah. of concept, proof of Showing those 1099s. Yeah, no, but it's so funny because it's such like a classic way of recruiting. It's like, want to see my back end? You want to look at my 1099? It's kind of like, you right. know what I mean? It's right. like, yeah. Uh-huh. It, it, well, what I was saying is, but there's a reason why that works. It's kind of like, I, I mean, I could fake to you what the government owes in taxes. You know what I mean? Like, like this is the real document. And what's interesting is I consult a lot of businesses where they use other industry proof where it's like, but our top rep is making 60 grand here. But in theory, working in solar roofing, pest, whatever that is, you can make 300 grand or 500 grand or whatever, but you recruit off of this. Well, there are people in the industry making 700 grand, but it's like, right. but here the top guy's making 60. So I have coworkers or people that have been in the industry. They'll go to a company and they'll, yeah, I was the top rep. It's like, but I still wasn't even making money. If I wasn't making money as the top rep, then these guys really weren't making money. And it was almost depressing, right? Yeah, right. But it's like, what you say is proof. It's kind of like, well, I don't know. Like, it's undeniable. Here's the facts. Like, be part of that, you know? Well, it's the law of the lid, right? It's like, you're never going to make more than the person above you. So surrounding yourself around the right kind of people, right? Your network is your net worth. So I think talking about momentum and being able to recruit guys easier and stuff like that. I think it helps when you've got a lot of people that are having success that it's like, all I have to do is just copy what this guy's already been doing. Yeah. Like I can do exactly what he did. That's cool. So I think also like the marketplace is super vast and everybody knows everything now. Like everyone has all the information. So like anyone can make you a promise, but like a promise unkept is worthless. Yeah. Like a promise kept is meaningful. So it's like if you keep your promises and you actually can show someone what's in their bank account, not what they were promised, right? If those three things don't match up, there will never be like reciprocity between the reps and the sales company. Like that. Yeah. If the sales company and the reps can match up between what was promised and what's in their bank account, like you retain and that snowball starts to roll, like Judd said. And then it's like not about us anymore. It's the success of the guys and it's all about them and what they've done because we don't, we've pushed the snowball and those guys have just continued it on. I like that. All we have to do is continue to keep our promises to the guys and that allows them to go recruit the world based off their own success and like all the success is theirs. It's not ours. Mm. And I think a lot of times like when people are recruiting, they're recruiting on like the success that they had and they want to be your manager or whatever. And it's like, what kind of success did that person like help others create right like it doesn't matter how much the person made that's like recruiting you it's how what did he help other people do you know what i mean how much are they making how much are you know what how much are they growing like uh i i guess i feel like that's so much more important than you know showing them a a pay statement from their own personal pay it's like can you duplicate can you help me make money yeah exactly that guy making money i got that guy making money i got that guy making money so you I think, I mean, I don't know how you'd be any different. Like, right. That's a great conversation to have. So let's, let's talk about that. 
obviously you're probably doing things different because I met reps that sold 16 in, in a month or in a week, in a week that yeah. were here. And I met reps that were selling, you know, making, sold 300 in a year. And, you know, a lot of sore reps right now would be like, wait, 300 in a year, like 200 in a year. Like what? Oh, I, I, I don't even do close to that. What do your reps do different or what makes that top performer and that you've seen in your organization that's maybe a little different than what you maybe see elsewhere? So I think we've turned sales into more of a team sport. Um, I think that a lot of the teams that I was on, there was always, the manager was always proving it and having success. And obviously there were certain guys that were doing good, but you're only as fast as your slowest man mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're on a hiker and you know the analogy. So um, I think what's made us different is how we've structured our offices and it's, it's essentially helped the guys all have more success where our managers, their job is to manage. They're not supposed to be closers. They're not supposed to be setters. Like their job is to help other people have success and they're paid to do so, right? That's the point of an override. And then the closers, their job is to close and to lead the setters to help those setters get to closing positions. And then the setter's job is just to set leads as they're growing in their sales career to become a closer. Mm. So by having that like... I guess, process in place for new guys to grow. And then also like the selfless leadership at the top, it, it's helped everyone do better. I like that. I think it's just about the barrier to entry. So like in any organization, there's a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Like how skilled are you starting out? And like in every other industry I've been in, there's not enough margin to start out as a center. Yeah. There's not enough margin to start out sucking. Like you have to learn on your own and be on your own. People can't sell it for you yeah. because there's nothing in it for them. Yeah. And so like putting what's in it for other people first always is like a benefit to that person and grows them. And they can start solar with a barrier to entry of like a first year pest rep. Yeah. Set up a, set up an appointment, dude. Exactly. Like, what are you really doing? Yeah. You're knocking and you're setting appointments. You're not closing. You're not, you don't need to know anything sophisticated. You need to know the bare minimum and the barrier to entry is very low and you can come in and make money right off the bat in a commission only sales job versus in other industries. You have a lot of attrition and fallout based off. They never got started, but if they could have got started, they would have become an extremely excellent rep. And I think we've done a good job of taking people who started with a very low barrier to entry and turn them into a highly successful rep with a lot of knowledge because they got over that learning curve without having to take the financial hit. Yeah. So I think that's key to the strategy is the progression throughout those stages and lowering that barrier to entry to make it accessible to any industry. Love that. Well, in school, they teach you that a business's highest cost is usually turnover. Yeah. So it's like having to constantly like go out and find, train, and then to lose that individual that's worth how much money to the organization, right? And then having to just like rinse and repeat that over and over again, it's so much easier to keep the people that you have and to to invest in those people and to give them a system that they can grow into. And it's not just like a feast or famine kind of mentality. And sales will always have attrition. You will always lose guys. There's no way around it. But what you have in waiting in the wings is an army of guys who are ready to take their place. Mm. So every time we've seen a large attrition, the next two weeks have been the highest producing weeks of the entire year. It's because that army of people who were in waiting to take that position got a chance to step up and create value. Yeah, it like frees up some space for, for there exactly. to be And you'd be surprised how big of a protection that is to you as a company 
when the biggest fear in the industry is loss, yes. loss of attrition of reps, loss of my sales engine, loss of, you know, uh, income, right? Because as an installation company, we're dependent on reps, yeah. right? But how do you protect yourself and shield yourself against attrition? By constantly growing and having waiting in the wings, people who are ready to step up, you'll always be so surprised how good someone will do if they're given the opportunity to step into a role. Yeah. And so like we've been able to lose large portions of our sales force and then fall forward in our production. And that's something that I think is very, very uncommon in the industry. And I think is a testament to Judd, but not only Judd, like all praise to the people who are currently working for us because they've created that atmosphere and that culture for their downlines where they don't have to worry about attrition in their own offices either. Yeah. They're not worried about somebody leaving because they got 10 guys ready to take that spot. Yeah. Cause like I, I notice a lot of managers have kind of this scarcity mindset when it comes to losing people, like you were saying, because they don't know how to backfill. But if I can gain skill set of recruiting and get talented at recruiting, I'm much more confident on the backfill. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, let them go. I don't care. Like, I'll just get another one. Right. And I've seen some leaders, that's really how they think. They're like, yeah. It's like, well, he's been here for two years. I know. He wants to go, go. And I'm like, what? And and so some people are that stern and some people are like in the middle and some people are like, no, I cannot lose Tommy. You right. know what I mean? So that's cool. So you've got to start up business, right? Like if you lose your sales engine, you're done. Yeah. It's like, we can't, we got to make payroll next week, guys. Sell yeah. some more. It's like right. AKE, I've been there. I've AKE been there. has lost nine sales engines. That's insane. But it's like, there's always someone waiting and always someone willing. So it's like, when you look at a rep and you look what you're looking for in somebody, like, I feel like recruiting sometimes is just getting bodies in the door. Yeah. Or what it should be is like the attributes you look for in that person. Like, is that person have a servant's heart? Is that person willing to do whatever it takes? And does that person have radical integrity? Like if you can find a rep with those traits, like they're gonna fit your system. And like, like you should weed out people who don't fit those traits. And over time they naturally weed themselves out of leadership positions and they attrit. And that's okay. It's okay to say this isn't a good partnership. Yeah. It's okay to let people go and leave if you're just gonna fall forward with the next group. Love that. So we've kind of got to wrap up, we're short on time. Um, this has been this has been awesome. Like you there's a lot like, man, I, I just spending a whole day with you guys and going to dinner and, you know, like a lot of opportunity. And I think there's a lot I can learn from you guys. Um, and I appreciate you sharing so abundantly on the podcast. And I think that if you guys are listening to this and got some value, um, I hope you guys would share this and, you know, repost or tag somebody that may need some help with systems or recruiting or scaling, or maybe that fear of entrepreneurship and, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Like this is this is awesome. This You're welcome, man. Thanks thank for having you. us on. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you guys. Much love. Knock, knock, knock.